Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you from New York, New York, it's the Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Gianni Russo, Patrick Piccarelli, and Megan Horan. Good evening, everyone, and here we are, Hollywood Godfather Podcast. Another show, I love it. I think we're into the 30s now. We are, close to our, it. Our numbers are getting up there. And we welcome you all, and thank you for sharing. Our subscribers are going up, and that's all we want to do. We want to just stay here forever. <laughs> and I uh, want to welcome Megan first. Thank you. Pat. Hey, hey, first, then me. How you doing? How's everybody? <laughs> I'm just hanging good, out, Good, good. Good. You know, uh, I don't know what you were thinking about talking about tonight, but I, I have an idea. I, I mean, uh, I was fascinated, you know, when we started on this book. By the way, folks, we have a book. <laughs> that Johnny fails to mention every uh, every week. He, Johnny's very shy. Yeah, you know, you understand that. <laughs> he keeps a very low profile. He's a very humble guy. So I'm going to have to jump in. We have a book. It's called uh, Hollywood Godfather: My Life in the Movies and the Mob. And uh, when I first started doing this book with Gianni, uh, I, I was having a great time. I mean, the man's life is absolutely fascinating. But one of the most interesting parts of it was uh, going from your uh, childhood, which we've discussed, and your illness. How does a kid from uh, Little Italy, by way of selling pens on the street on Fifth Avenue, wind up in Miami? Was was were the police chasing you? Did, were you in the witness protection program, or was somebody out gunning for you? Very how'd close. You get, how, how'd you get down there? <laughs> well, I got down there um, as a favor. Uh, someone contacted Frank Costello, and uh, they needed some assistance. And so uh, he said, I got the guy. <laughs> I, uh, how old were you at the time of this? Well, I, w I went there a lot earlier on. I really stayed most of the time where a lot happened a after I returned from uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So a after the, the fall of 1965, I was spending more time. Before, I was just delivering stuff to Maya Lansky and different people and, and you know, all, all through the Kennedys. Uh, elections and primary and all that, but oh, so how old about? Nineteen sixty-five must have been like twenty-one by then. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he he sends you down there as as an emissary to do what? Uh, the, the, a gentleman called Jay Weiss, uh, who's a very good friend of his, and I found out later on Meyer Lansky was behind it all. They started a liquor business. Him, Al Malnick, and um, Mel Dick, a bunch of guys all uh, uh, launchmen of Myers, and they created a liquor business, which uh, today, as of right now, did $16 billion a year. Oh, my gosh. Obviously, they're still around. Oh, yeah. It's Southern yeah. Wines and Spirits. Oh, wow. And I was on the ground floor of that. But Jay Weiss and a couple of the guys who really started, they started with package stores down there. And uh, Maya said that, you know, the, the Cuban, uh, the Cu I, I could do his voice, but he's so, <laughs> he's so squeaky. Johnny, we're having trouble with, with the brown boys, the Cubans. I said, what's the matter, Maya? He said, they're not paying. I said, well, what do you want me to do? Collect, Johnny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I said, okay. And I have a unique way. I, I broke it in early on on some other people I, I had to handle and getting to cooperate so what i did 
I, I drove to the area they wanted. And I, oh, know, well, these guys, excuse me, Jennifer, interrupt, but these guys owned a club or a bar or something. They weren't paying their liquor bills. They owned package it? stores okay. in, oh, the, okay. in the Cuban community, which, you know, um, most people even didn't want to even go there at that time. But the Cubans do drink a lot. Mm. And so, uh, are package stores being state owned and operated liquor stores? No, no, they're not state owned. Oh, they're, they are here. They're pa- yeah, the Pennsylvania package stores yeah. are owned by the state. No, but there are, we have package stores here, but they're owned by individuals controlled by the okay. state. Okay. So uh, with that said, I cased it out, and I always saw three or four people sitting on the porch and all of that, and I, try, I basically figured out who the main guy was. So I show up the next day with something my grandfather taught me when he was a mason, and uh, it's called muranic acid. And it takes anything off bricks or stains or anything like that, but you have to be really careful with it. Mm-hmm. And to, yeah, it, it they, they use it to clean the pool filters because I do, I use it. Okay, well, but, but yeah, but you have to dilute it. It's strong stuff. Oh, it's very, yeah, very strong. And yeah. not only that, you have to have rubber gloves. You can't yeah. splash. You got to do everything. Mm. So I had this um, new Cadillac um, Eldorado. Was an interesting car. And so in, I went to a brickyard in Miami <laughs> and I got a rubber bucket and rubber gloves and then I went to a toy store and I bought two water pistols a pink one and a turquoise one. Oh my gosh and a, and a plastic funnel as long as you're dealing with plastic no problem so prior to going there I filled up the two water guns and I diluted the muriatic acid and I tested it on fabric pieces of rag or terry cloth in my, in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and saw that it just smoldered enough to really intimidate you. And I went there and I, I got out of the car and they were all sitting there. And I'm always, I always wore a suit, even down in Miami, it was crazy. And I got out of the car and I said, uh, who's the owner here? And they said, who's asking? And I looked around, I said, you see anybody else here? And I wanted to let them know, you're not going to intimidate me. Mm-hmm. And as I'm doing all this, I walk to the trunk and I open the trunk and I put these big rubber gloves on, intimidating. They were like a yellowish <laughs> yeah, color. Yeah. And they weren't intimidated by this, they probably thought you were crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but I've used that so many times to take advantage of people. So yeah. I, I put the gloves on and they're all laughing like, well, what are you gonna do, surgery? I said, who's the, <laughs> who's the toughest guy up there with this big mouth? Yeah. So now he's puffing up and he stands up. And by this time, I have the two water guns in my hand. He's always going to have a water gun fight. I said, there's not going to be no fight. And I spray his crotch. Oh. And his yeah, pants start said. to smolder. Oh, my gosh. I said, now let me just tell you something, Mouth. Stop pissing your pants and put that burn out before I spray you in the face or maybe in the mouth. So he said, what do you want? I said, you owe 23000 they owed. It's a lot of liquor. Yeah, and every yeah. time somebody came, they'd throw them out to get the money. So, I mean, uh, Jay Weiss was not a tough guy, believe me. So, And Jay promised me half the money if I could collect it just to set a precedence because once that goes down there, they can't deliver down there no more. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I said, let me tell you something. All I want is the money. Go, go pee on yourself. You're okay. If I have to spray it, Anywhere else is going to be in your face or in your mouth, okay? 
How many people were, were, did you confront? There was about four or five guys on the porch. I said, I said, I got enough oil. You don't worry about it. So make oh a move, God. assholes. And this is what I'm going to do. I don't want to get too vulgar because we're on the radio. Right. But anyway, the guy ran in and got the money. He said, I never want to see you again. I said, just pay your bills on time. So now I, you know, take off my gloves. But I kept my eye on them. You know, they're not in a weight. Mm-hmm. And I, I took one gun, like my, my two fingers, make sure I didn't touch it. I laid on the floorboard of my car and I left. Wow. Well, I, was, I wasn't gone three or four hours. Jay Weiss contacts me, because this is before cell phones, and he found me at the Fontainebleau Hotel, Cabana One. That's where we were holding our gin rummy games. <laughs> and uh, he said, what did you do? I said, what did I do what? He said, they don't want to see you again. They'll pay on time. He said, what did you use on them? I said, what did you hear? He said, you had water guns and you sprayed them. He said, I, said, I sprayed them with muriatic acid. He said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my whole thing with, with Southern Wines and Spirits. He said, you got to come with us. You're not going to believe what we're going to do with this company. Yeah, but I, you turned down the money for that job. No, while well, he wanted, want, oh, I brought him all the money. I, yeah. this, this was on the phone at the cabana. Yeah. I said, I'll meet you tomorrow. And I gave him all the money. He said, no, no, you're supposed to take care of it. I said, I can't take care of it, please. You're a friend of a friend of ours, me and Maya Lansky. Right. And I said, I really don't need the money. He said, but no, we got to take something. So he gave me some money. I, I, I said, I don't want it. And I didn't take it. And that in itself created another whole thing for me with you know business in, in Miami. But uh, they never forgot it, and neither did, you know, Maya and Malnick and all the guys around them. But uh, they were the fun day. I mean, Miami during those years, and I had nowhere to go because uh, when, I, when I landed in California, I'm in uh, New York in uh, the fall of 65, because I was gone for 22 months. Mm-hmm. He said, go down south, and then we, they were giving me a new route which they were testing me, I'm sure. Then I went to Chicago and met, you know, Roselli and all of those guys. Went to Chicago, to California, and started playing that game. And when, why I mentioned the uh, the Cabana One, when I checked into the Fontainebleau Hotel as a guest of Maya Lansky's forever, I checked in under Dr. J. Adams. Because, I thought I was the only doctor in the school. Well, you, you, you were late. I was a doctor in sixty. Oh, okay. I was a doctor. Yeah, I, uh, this is over. I talked to you. I was a doctor in nineteen sixty-five. How how old were you in sixty-five? Were you born? I was uh, nineteen. There you go. See, yeah. I was a doctor before. You. <laughs> I was a doctor. <laughs> and the only reason I did it, I'll tell you why, <clears throat> because the family was known for the winter months to have the most affluent Jewish families in the world. Mm. And I always knew Jewish people, even in New York, they've always been my mentors. I always loved Jewish people. And they were, they're very, I mean, not that nobody, that other people aren't smart, but I think they're loyal to their race and they are brilliant. And if they like you, like my first encounter, as we all know, when I was selling ballpoint pens, it was Leo Rabinowitz, right. <laughs> you know, a nice guy. Yeah. And his brother, they used to tease me all the time. <laughs> so I, I was I always felt good with them. But I felt checking into the hotel, and I was a fairly good-looking guy at the time. 
And the only thing I knew I'd get challenged eventually is what, how could you be a doctor and you're only 21 or 22? <laughs> but I was in my own mind. But we had uh, uh, Cabana One where uh, friends of mine that we got to very heavy business later on down the road, Carmine Black and Charlie Alemo, we had a gin rummy game there, which was a fixed game. Everybody played gin rummy. And we also had a, 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 a mini bank there if you needed money, short-term loans. And we, we had blast. It was just a fun time to be on the beach. And, you know, it was, I, was, I was flying all over already, going to Chicago and Vegas and all that. But um, the funniest thing is that I knew all these families want their daughters or granddaughters to, to marry a nice Jewish doctor. And there I am, Dr. <laughs> Jay Adams. And everyone, but it was funny. There was a, a situation that, you know, you remember, uh, you wrote about it in the book. Oh, the I, woman that got sick? Yeah, I love this story. Arthur Burbaum's wife, <laughs> which he made me, I, I could have been Ben Casey of the whole Miami because every day I had the PBX operators knew when I got to the cabana, I'd pick up the phone, I'd say, do it every 15, 20 minutes. And they knew. I took care of them. I bring them chocolate. They would, oh, they would page nice. you, Dr. Ra- Dr. Yeah, Adams. They kept paying, paging me. I get up, pick up the phone for a couple of minutes, go back to my cabana. So all of a sudden, this guy pages me and he says, Dr. J. Adams. I said, Yeah. He says, uh, This is Arthur Burbaum. I said, Yeah. He says, I've seen you so many times around the pool. My wife is dying. Come up right away. I'm saying, What? Okay. I said, My wife is dying come up to the room. And now I'm saying, uh-oh, either somebody's setting me up, and but I gotta go, I gotta find out. Mm-hmm. So on the way up to his room, I'm figuring, what can I do? Well, fortunately, I get there, and there's this little old lady, I mean, she looked like death. And this little guy's running up and down like a cockroach. And, <laughs> and he's saying, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. And she was, I mean, actually, vomiting and you could hear her in the other room. Right. I said, all right, first of all, let's calm down. What did she eat last night? And thank God he said seafood. <laughs> I said, has she ever had an allergic to seafood before? Never. I said, well, your allergies, which I only knew for myself, uh-huh. your allergies change every seven years. That's correct. And with that said, it may be, did she have shellfish? And I was hoping he'd say shellfish. Wow. Well, you got your education watching episodes of Ben Casey, right? Of course. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> fantastic. And so with that, I said, get Pepto-Bismol down in the, down in the uh, gift shop. He said, aren't you going to write me a prescription? And he caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah. I said, well, I left New York without my prescription pad. But do this for me. Give her that. If... She stops vomiting, give her a lot more liquids now because she's you know, dehydrated, and call me in the morning. You're such a good doctor. <laughs> no, I always remember, call me in the morning. Hey, it's yeah. a good thing she wasn't really sick. I, I, yeah, I would be in jail. Oh she would have died up gosh. there. Gosh. So now, I didn't have to, I didn't wait for the guy to even call me. I'm going down to the pool. He comes running over to me. He grabs my arm, like, 
walking me around like a, a, a pet dog around the pool. <laughs> he saved my wife's life. He's such a great doctor. I had such a reputation. Oh, I'm oh saying my to myself, gosh. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, th- that's what I mean. That, that pool area was so nuts at that time. And everybody in the world. And that's uh, one of my biggest problems, though, because I, I got caught in a switch because we were all sitting at, at about, we didn't play. Mm-hmm. One, we had one guy play, and it was a mark. And then you had to put up the money with Mel. I could always remember Mel was the bartender because we didn't want to stiff at us. And we didn't want to handle the money because that's illegal. <laughs> so we had mm-hmm. these games, these gin rum games, where if you wanted to buy into the game, you went to Mel like you were buying a drink. Mm. And you put your fifty dollars in, and that's it. Whatever you know, we chopped up a lot of money. Fortunately, the games didn't last that long. We wiped out people, but not not we didn't hurt anybody. We just made a living. Mm-hmm. So now, as one girl, I'll never forget it. We renamed her Jessica because the, the lawyer yeah. the lawyers told us. I don't know how I remember that name. Yeah. Ah. But anyway, and her father was a doctor from Chicago. Oh. But her grandparents owned. Uh, three or four major uh, new car distributions. And they, I thought I was going to be killed for sure when I found out who they were because Tony Accardo bought all his cars from them. Oh, my gosh. And I'm saying, oh, my God, what am I getting into? (laughs) And with that said, we're just sitting there. We don't know what the granddaughter looks like. But here comes this girl in five-inch heels. I don't forget it. Navy blue heels to match a navy and blue white striped bathing suit. She looked like Esther Williams. So now us three morons, we make a bet. We bet on anything. We bet on, because we had nothing to do. <laughs> so we bet who's gonna have the first date. Mm. I said, okay. So we gotta make it interesting. Cause, and, and I knew, I, I had a better shot than Charlie, but Carmine was a good looking guy and very charismatic. I said, okay, let's put up $1,000 each. Whoever gets the first date is winner takes all. So you're on. So we gave Mel the, the money. <laughs> so now, you know, we're all playing what we're going to do, how this, and they're, all, you know, they're going to talk to her and saying this, or I'm doing whatever. So I see her get up, and I don't know, you know, she's going to shower. She wasn't there, she was visiting grandparents at the hotel mm. so I figured I gotta call the front door so I called the front door I said Joey the girl uh, the, the, I can't mention that last name but he knew who it was I said what kind of car is she driving he says she's driving a, a, a Corvette I said okay great so now I see she wasn't leaving they were going to lunch so I go down and see Joey and I call my friend in Miami Beach I knew we had a car dealership there. I said, listen, you got any Corvettes there? He said, yeah, you got a beautiful one that just came in. I said, what color is it? And he tells me, like a yellowish new color. I said, get it to the farm bureau. How much you want for it? He told me. I said, okay. I said, that's your, your cost on? He said, yeah. It was like nothing. Like 20, you know, 18, 19, stupid money. I bought Cadillacs for $4,000 then. Oh my gosh. So we get the car. So now she comes out after lunch with her grandparents, and nobody's, you know, I'm watching them playing games, and they're sending drinks and doing that. So I walk her down to get her car. 
and Joey knew what was going on, obviously. Mm-hmm. So he brings this new car up. Mm. You sure that's not my car? And I said, no, it's yours now. She said, what? I said, yeah. Nobody should be driving the car you've been driving. Somebody like you. It's a five or six-year-old car. I said, this is your car. Oh, oh no, gosh. I can't take it. And she's giving me back and forth. No, I can't take it. I can't do this. I said, listen, I, here's what you got to do for the car. She said, what is it? I said, have dinner with me. That's all? I said, yeah. I said, the Dorrell is opening tomorrow night. Just open, brand new hotel. And they had a roof garden with a big band. We used to have a 20-piece band there. I love this place. Wow. I knew all about it. I'd seen the room. A, a, fra- a guy whose name was Frank Russo was the general manager. Had nothing to do with me. And they, were, they weren't open yet. This was like the grand opening. They, you know, they opened like for a week or two just for a test run. So I, I got no, I had no problem getting a table. So she said, okay. She said, but can I bring my grandmother and grandfather? <laughs> so now I'm saying, wait a minute, is this the oh, day yeah. yeah. I said, of course, white buff, please. <laughs> so now I come up, I'm all smiling. I said, I got a date with her. Let's get out of here. I said, I'm taking her to Dorel tomorrow night. He said, are you kidding me? I said, no. So the day, it's not until the, they see me with the date. It's not a date. Mm-hmm. With that said, there they are. They get a table too. Everybody's gonna. Anybody that was on the beach that wanted to go to that place that night. Right. And now I come in with her, the grandmother and the grandfather. We all sit down. We have dinner, and they come over to me and they say, "They're going like this. Like meet me in the bathroom. Give me a <laughs> signal. Is this not a date? You with a grandmother and grandfather? How do we know they didn't invite you? I said I invited them. No, it's not a date. It's okay. What makes it a date? They said. We don't know. I said, what, what if the grandmother and grandfather go home? They already said they're going to go home early. And then, then I'm on a date alone with her. They said, okay. They look, yeah, I would say, okay. I said, you can cut in, dance, do anything you want. You could take a shot at her. How about whoever leaves with her is huh. a date? Mm. Now I got them crazy. Because <laughs> they didn't know I gave her a call. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I was Which the bet covered. What's that? The bet covered the cost of the car. I think even I even think I made a thousand dollars. I forgot what I got the call for. Yeah, wow, it was stupid money. But anyway, so now and they're hitting on her. They're cutting in like school kids at a dance. Oh my we gosh. had so much fun with her. I mean, but I, I never was with the girl or nothing. I, I just to me it was a gimmick at the time. Mm. And then there we go. So I walk it down. I said, "Would you like to go to a, to lunch tomorrow?" before your grandmother or whatever, because I don't want to infringe on that. She said, no, they're meeting friends tomorrow. I wasn't coming. I said, great, let's go somewhere else, a different hotel. I knew every hotel on the beach anyway. So she comes with the car, takes me, you know, and I'm really liking this girl. Because you know, I'm crazy up at the last time all over the world. And so it goes on and on and on. Make a long story short, she gets pregnant. Mm. And I really like this girl. So now I go see Rabbi Ellison right down in the, in the, one of the, uh, in the Gorsha Belt, down there where all the uh, Jewish hotels are. Mm-hmm. And I get him, and uh, this guy who recommends him, and I'm going to study you know, becoming a Jew, a confirmed Jew. Uh-huh. And they don't accept reformed people. They don't. Hmm. They, they, you know, that's the only religion that doesn't encourage you to come. 
Interesting. Yeah, and so I didn't know that. So with this said, now I'm going to have dinner with the grandparents because now we're, you know, it's the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They come, you know, in December and they're going to leave in the March. She's already like a week, two weeks late. And I go buy a house. I buy a house on 72nd oh Street, Causeway. No, I wanted to show them I'm really irreputable. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me, the grandfather is doing a background check on who's Dr. J. Adams. Oh. <laughs> All Which, this time, you're still passing yourself off as a doctor. Oh, no. All this time, still, right? Yeah. No, I mean. Generally. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> that well, part of the story. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the whole thing. Now I'm saying, what are we going to do here? So I I want to see the grandmother and grandfather without her, because I didn't even tell her I was a doc, not a doctor. I just told her I'm, I had a problem in New York. I, I practice. I sold it. I'm I'm, I'm retired. Mm. She said, "How old are you?" I said, "21." I'm retired. <laughs> so she said, Medical school, practice, retired. Yeah. Retired. Yeah. All happened very fast. No, and she and she's saying, she, and she knew Fresh. though. She knew, but that time the story is falling apart fast. Yeah. <laughs> so now I meet the, but I'm still. She's still with child. So now I go meet the grandmother and grandfather for breakfast, and I say, "I have something to tell you," and the grandfather stops me. Don't tell me no more lies. And he slides a report that Pat would make on somebody's <laughs> doing an investigation. The background check. He knew everything about me. I don't know how he found out. So he realized that not only were you not Dr. J. Adams, but that you were not Jewish. You. And I'm yeah. But but you were you were you legitimately wanted to convert. I did. No, I. I mean, you were all in. I was all in. No, I was. And he said, "This is not going to happen." And then I call her school, and she, she's, she's not here anymore. So what are you talking about? This was up in Chicago. No. They moved her out. They had her mother come and took her to... At that time, Puerto Rico was the only place you could get an abortion. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, I mean, they, rent, they went into it like you cannot believe to end this now. And they were given her no chances, me no chances. And Did you ever see her again? No. I saw her many, many years later when I was performing at the um, Blue Max Room in Chicago. Hmm. Now that I did The Godfather, now I'm somewhat of a celebrity. Oh, wow. And she comes to the show. <laughs> and you know when you say to yourself, thank God I didn't marry this person. What oh, happened? Boy. In like a matter of what, five years? Yeah, a few years. She got heavy. She got married, had a baby. Got they called never got rid of the baby fat. Okay. And I saw her sitting at from the stage. Right. So obviously I invited her backstage, and when she came there, I'm saying to myself, "Thank God." Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the mother was there, which I didn't recognize because I I saw the mother from across the pool maybe once that she came down for the weekend mm. and now they're all over me oh we didn't know da, da, da. You're, a, you're a big i said yeah, yeah. i said uh, but i still felt very hurt of course about you know like the, having this kid but what they didn't realize i really got engrossed with carmine and and uh Tom. and and uh, 
Call my uh, call my black and Charlie Charlie Lamo. Charlie, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you threw a name at me and I was just saying, who's that guy? Anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. No, but we opened a club called La Disc. This is a few years later. And it's in, uh, I fly back. I just left Johnny Rosselli in Hollywood. I had to go see him with something. And he said to me, where are you staying? And I said, I'm staying at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. He's get out. And this was like, like late May, early June mm-hmm. of 68. And I said, okay. Well, I, we, our business was over. He, I met him at the racetrack, Hollywood racetrack. And he had this guy with him called Suran Suran. Mm. Which I'm saying, what the hell is he doing with this idiot? But he, he, you never know what he's doing anyway. But with that said, I come back, it's the summer, and our club is packed. Where was the club? On 79th Street Causeway, and it was packed. When we opened it, we opened it right, right in the season, that season. Mm-hmm. And Sammy Davis and Dean Martin opened it for us as a favor come in. The whole beach knew. And Dean had a club right down the street at that time. The 79th Street Causeway was so hot then, because Jilly's South was there with Sinatra Hong. Then Dino mm-hmm. opened Dean Martin's. He had one on... on the, Sunset Boulevard, and the, so that's where everything happened. In fact, Al Malnick had the penthouse, and that was like insane. So th- that 79th Street Causeway, everybody, it was anybody, was there. Mm. We know now that, you know, the Republican convention is coming to town, and they're coming August 5th. So we're having such an amazing time off season. And I should have figured this out. And Pat, what I'm about to tell you, we didn't put this in the book for obvious mm-hmm. reasons, but August, June 5th, the same year, and Robert F. Kennedy is running for president, and he's really starting to gain momentum. He already won California, won uh, South Dakota, and the, everything was coming in. And on June 5th that year, is when Sirhan Sirhan killed him, three minutes after midnight. Mm. And it didn't go off yet, the light bulb in my head, because I knew how they controlled both parties, basically, whether it be Democrats or Republicans. And then, where I'm hearing about the Republican convention, and nobody knew who was doing it. You know. And so when they, that, that night on August 8th, don't ask me how I remember all this, Oh my gosh. On August 8th, Pat, maybe you'll remember this. They announce Nixon and Spiro Agnew. And on the news, they say Spiro who? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I remember it. It was a big thing about it. Nobody knew who Spiro Agnew was. Well, yeah, he picked him as his, as his uh, vice president, as his vice president uh, candidate. No one knew who the hell this guy was. He was the governor of Maryland. Right. Huh. So now we get a call from Nixon's security saying they want to take the club over tomorrow night and have a uh, you know congratulatory party there for all the delegates that helped them at our club i'm saying how did they pick this club not ever figuring maya lansky and costello so that morning as i always went on collins and see the old man 
He says, Johnny, did you get <laughs> did you get a call last night? I said, Yeah. Which call are you talking about? Uh, Johnny, don't play games with me. <laughs> They're having a party. Are they having a party at your place tomorrow night? <laughs> I said, uh, tonight rather. I said, Yeah. He said, Well, take good care of them. We're gonna. He's gonna be around us, you know. They're pretty good. You should be an actor. That is that's a great impression. Yeah, I don't even know what yeah. the guy actually sounds like. But that's, that's, a, that's him. <laughs> that does sound take, so take good cool. care of him. You're going to be. So not only did I take good care of him, this is how crazy my life is, as you two know better than anybody. Yeah. These girls are at my bar almost every night. Jackie and her best friend, Susan. And now, Secret Service comes in the day. They check out the whole place. And everything's good. We had a back patio on the water, which was great. So they said, well, keep this for his dignitaries. And they had a boat out there, which, mm -hmm. you know, because now he's, he's a candidate. So they all leave. Everybody probably was perfect. I mean, they, they wrote a check from the Republican Party. I remember National Committee. I remember the check. And we get a call. And it's that guy who I've been dealing with all the time, Secret Service. And now he's, you know, he's, with, he's assigned to president to be Nixon. And he said, uh, Johnny, I saw you were talking to these girls most of the night, a blonde and a brunette lady and a lady. And the lady was, I got a good eye. She was from New Orleans. Hmm. And he said, she looks maybe Cajun. I said, yeah, I know her well. They're in the club all the time. He said, well, uh, the president would like to invite couple of private people to the, his suite. Would you ask the ladies to come? I said, well, I'll, I'll bring them over. He said, no, 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 no. We're sending a car. They sent a secret service car. Oh my gosh. This is how nuts the world is in my life. That woman became my last mother-in-law. Really? She's my last wife's mother, who I got to meet later on under a different circumstance. And we're looking at each other, and, and she's saying, like, not, don't tell don't, her mother. Don't mention it. She was Nixon's mistress. When he won, she moved here. He moved her to Virginia, and she was his mistress till Pat found out about her. And Pat had her exiled, and at that time, she had a family. They exiled them to Guam the farthest American wow. territory in the world. Oh my gosh. That's where they got that expression from. Here today, Guam tomorrow. Right? <laughs> I like that. Uh, That's good. That was I quick. I like that. Yeah. But is that wow. weird? That's going to be the title of this podcast. You know, I'm looking yeah. at, we already burnt up 35 minutes. <laughs> I have so much more stuff. Let's make this, uh, you know. Yeah, to be continued. To be continued. If all of you are interested the following week. Yeah, you You're not going to believe where we're going with this story. So with Sinatra, Shecky Green, Don Rickles, Moisha Diane. The things that you've experienced, I just still, I still can't get over it. No, but I mean, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> no, you really can't. No, but it still baffles me how no one ever figured 60 days later, you being a cop, Pat, 60 yeah. days later, almost to the day, they kill the one or assassinated the one candidate that could have won the Democratic Party, which they didn't want to deal with them anymore. And they get a Republican in who later on, as we all remember, pardons Hoffa for them. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, pardons, yeah, pardons half yeah, of them. Yeah, pardons to me half of them, yeah. To kill them, to keep Fitzsimmons in place where they needed him, the mob talking about, not the government. Right. You know, there was a, uh, we had some uh, some questions from our publisher when we put this story that you just related, or we wanted to put it in the book, that uh, Nixon had connections. He was controlled by the mob. And they said, you know, this is outlandish, and how are we going to pass this on? And coincidentally, while we're talking to the publishers about this, and Johnny's giving all the, you know, all, all the particulars on, uh, on, on the case, on the story, a book comes out. Uh, the entire book's premise was Nixon was owned by the mob during his presidency. Oh so that, that validated this story and they put it in the book. Wow. Unless our story wouldn't have been in. Yeah, they, they would have said, no one's going to believe this. If that hadn't come out. <laughs> but right. a, another book was published at the, uh, at the same <laughs> time that we were talking true. about this. What kind of coincidence is that? That's Otherwise, wow, that's that would have been out of the book. That's so. the luck I have. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's time to go to our segment called The Mailbag. Because <laughs> we have so many people, thank God, writing in. And um, let's answer some of those questions. All right, sounds good. So, what we got? So, first one is from Rodrigo. And he says, great book. I'm a history buff, and I look at the La Cosa Nostra as a part of our American history. You have traveled an interesting journey. You are also a businessman. Have you ever thought of teaching business or writing a book about being a business person? Mm, I don't think that's really up our alley. Uh, what do you think, Pat? No, it, would, it wouldn't, certainly wouldn't <laughs> well, now be that you're uh, a as exciting. I mean, you own, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you owned the chain of uh, wig stores in Vegas at one time, right? Chain of wig stores, chain of jewelry stores. I don't. And what can I, you know, I mean, eleven restaurants. Very good. Very good that you were. Very good that you were successful at a, at a young age. But, but that's not a book. No. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, who cares about my accolades as business, basically? Well, I guess that comes yeah. with your motivational speaking too. Yeah. But yeah, that, I, could, that, yeah. that could where you, you came know. from, and what you didn't have, and what you made of yourself. Mm-hmm. That that would whole, lend yes, itself more uh, as a speaking engagement. So anybody who uh, wants to hear that aspect of Gianni's life, uh, at the end of the show, you can get a phone number and and you can call us. We can set something up. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely open to uh, touring, yeah. and so is Pat and I. I mean, that's one of the things we created. Yes, you can, because we definitely want to motivate people. If you have a dream, go out and do it. And that was one of the re- main reasons, other than my ego, I wanted to write this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're, you're a perfect example of what anybody can do if they set their mind to it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, and if, people want, if people want more information, they can go to your website too, oh, GianniRusso.com, yeah. and I'm sure there's contact information for your motivational speaking And I'm very proud to say with all what's been going on in the last 90 days, I've just been informed by people we're negotiating with for the book to become a series, a streaming series, that I've had now over 3 million hits in 90 days. You're everywhere. I know, thank God. Oh, look, I have to it's thank crazy. Com- I have to thank Como for a little of that, too. Yeah, right. That- <laughs> uh, open mouth and search foot. Yeah, that is, that is correct. All right. So moving on? Please. Okay. Oh. Next one is from Carol for Gianni. And Carol asks, did you ever meet Jane Mansfield? Yes. Jane, oh. I love Jane Mansfield. Uh, she married a friend of mine after Mickey Haggerty. Mickey Hargitay, yeah. Mickey ha- ha- Hargitay? Hargitay, yeah. Oh, pardon me. Hargitay. 
That's just, why they just, just, just wanted to make sure on, that we got uh, it right. Exactly. It's not Haggerty. It's Hargitay. People Hargitay. people mispronounce it a lot. Yeah. Well, anyway, she lost a head over him. You know that. And, oh, jeez. Oh, gee, honey. <laughs> I mean, anyway, oh. but she married a good friend of mine called Matt Simba in their home divorce. And I met, I got to meet her daughter, who is the star of my favorite show. Mine too. <laughs> and I've never been on that show. I, I haven't That's, seen her. I want you to be on that show, but like, can I don't, you I don't please know. do that? I don't know. Be my last How month. cool would that be? I want it to be. And I tell our audience who we're talking about. We're talking about Mariska Hargitay, yeah, who is the star of Law and Order SVU. She plays Olivia Benson. I know, and I've never. That show's been, that, how long has show's it's been? The longest running primetime drama. I think in it's television like twelve history. years or it's, No, it's twenty-one. 20 I think. Yeah, I know. Wow. They started in ninety-nine. Yeah, well, she's so still. I guess it's twenty. Eight. No, but it's more interesting. Um, oh, I forgot the guy's name who owns the show. I used Dick to, Wolf. Dick Wolf. I used to see Dick Wolf at Elaine's. When they first started, and he always said, "I gotta get you on our show." I gotta. I said, "I don't do TV." Can we make that happen now? I don't know if I want to. But, you know, we. You know what we have going on. I mean, I know, but, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> All right. So more about Jane Mansfield. How well? No, I met well her. Did you know her? I I didn't know her well. I met her maybe four or five times. Okay. And then um, you know, they broke up, and that, that Matt Simba was a a good friend of mine, and we produced a movie or two together. But let's not get into that. Mm. Wasting our mailbag time. <laughs> okay. So Ken asks, um, he says, in the film Casino, the role of Senator Harrison Roberts was played by Dick Smothers. It is widely viewed the character was based on former Senate Majority Leader and Nevada Senator Harry Reid. Exactly. Did you have any interactions with Reid or any of the Nevada politicians of that era? I had interactions with everybody there. They were all on the take. Are you kidding? The best senator I like was uh, the Lamb family. Ralph Lamb was the sheriff. The brother was the senator, Floyd. I mean, this group, talk about cowboys. Huh. In fact, I, I, they deputized me. That's another whole oh. show. When they were having the, the riots in California, mm -hmm. they deputized me. What year was that when they were having those big riots? 68. 68. See, so he knows everything. Wow. They deputized me. I used to go there all the time. And so I wanted to be a deputy because then I can carry a gun and a badge, and that's what I did anyway in Vegas. <laughs> but, um, but we went on horseback. He put a posse together. We were doing a live posse in 1968, and I had a Brioni suit on, and they were all laughing at me. Yeah, and I said, and they gave me a hat. I said, I didn't want to wear no hat. This is part of <laughs> this. No, you know what's so funny? Pat, I don't know how this guy got away with it. They went on national news, and if anybody researched this, he said, and he used the N-word, mm. anybody using the N-word is out after 6 o'clock. I'm ordering them to shoot and kill. We will not have riots in Las Vegas. Mm. It went viral everywhere. I went home slowly, put my gun away, and flew down oh. to Miami. Oh my this guy goodness. is going to forget about it. He's nuts. That was, but that there was, were no riots in Vegas. That was Ralph, yeah, no riots yeah. in Vegas. That was Ralph Lamb. He was the sheriff. Huh. Well, there you go, Ken. <laughs> you ask crazy. a question, you get, a, you get an answer. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. Okay, so next one is from Luis. Uh, for Gianni, uh, he asked, did you ever get to meet Porfirio Ruby Rosa? I met Ruby Rosa because he was a good friend of Frank Sinatra's. 
Oh, okay. I've I met him several times, actually. Yeah. That guy was an amazing guy. Classic. Well, he was an international uh, playboy, right? He was a- yep, yep. Hmm. Rosa. Yep. Interesting. All right, so Jeffrey asks for both Gianni and Pat, who would you say is your favorite actor, male or, or female, of all time? Male or female? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a tough one. Yeah, uh, do you want to go first while I think about this? I can go first because I'm, it was so close to me. I would have to say Marlon Brando in his heyday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. That's, in his heyday. That's a good one. You know, but, I uh, would go with uh, Denzel Washington. I love that guy. Really? Oh, really? That's yeah. good. I'm, I'm a big Fordham. Denzel fan. Uh, uh, he just made a movie, well, not just, it's quite a few years old now, called Inside Man. Did you see that? No. no. He played a New York City uh, detective and there's a hostage situation in a Wall Street bank and uh, they're trying to get the whole movie's about trying to get the hostages out uh, it's always on cable now but I'm convinced he ad-libbed most of that movie really uh, yeah uh, Jodie Foster's in it too oh cool she, she plays a very well connected uh, person to the politicians and uh, it's if it's on again see it's called Inside Man just watched it again last week I had to see that movie 50 times. Wow. But I, I, li- I just like that. I want to watch it just to find out. out what you find so interesting Yeah, exactly. About Me too. That's Add it to wild. the list. Okay, moving Very cool. on. All right. So last one for today, for tonight. Paul asks for Gianni, have you ever thought about how different your life would be if The Godfather never happened? What do you think? Oh, my life. I'd probably be doing life somewhere. or I probably would just went into heavy crime. You think? Well, the only reason because it's so easy. <laughs> I'm not oh, a you guy. Were there that, already. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I already, you know, it's like you know, I was a doctor, and why not stay in the profession I really know? <laughs> and uh, no, to me, when you reflect, I say, I mean, I, I, I asked that question so many times. The last fifty years of my life has been the Godfather. I don't know what I would do without it. And I don't think anybody, in fact, Pacino, Dinero, all of them laugh at me. How did you get these products and all this? Now, I mean, I don't own them, but I'm part of a, mm-hmm. a, a, a network that's gone viral. And fortunately, the Cordelion uh, family selection is really, this year's going to probably be so huge. We'll be, by the end of next year, we're in 18,000 supermarkets. Wow. We're just we're just rolling it out as we can because everybody wants it. And it's a good product. That's amazing. So I don't I don't think I don't know what I'd be doing. Probably like most of my friends doing a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you, have consider, you have to consider also when you come down to it, it was a part in a movie that you you know, you you, you really saw saw the future. Some uh, uh Francis Ford Coppola was looking to sell that logo and nobody wanted it, right? Well, he didn't even own it. He he wanted to try to raise money when he was still in the deal. Yeah. And Paramount and Viacom always owned that property. Once they put up the money, he shared. I don't even know how his share was, but uh, that's why now he, you know, even the Coppola wines, he he couldn't use Godfather on them. How did you get the logo? I negotiated, and not me, actually, Jeffrey Dash, who's been my business partner for so many, many years. He said, let's take a shot at it. I said, Jeffrey, how can we get this? And he did it. I mean, we, we put up millions of dollars to get it. We, with them, we had to prove to Viacom, we believe in this so much. We'll pay you this up front. 
which was a big gamble. Mm-hmm. But well, um, that's why we have it. And now we have first right refusal on most stuff. MJ, when I say we, it's MJ Licensing Corporation mm. out of Delaware. Very legitimate company. <laughs> and I'm only the brand ambassador. I You're a good own, one at that. I don't own anything. I don't want anything. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think that's it for tonight. Oh, great. Well, thank you all again. We love that you answering asking more questions tell more friends our reviews and everything are going really well fortunately yeah everything's good and, and uh, don't forget the rumor has it we have a book that's right <laughs> yes that's it, out there <laughs> if you have yeah if we keep forgetting that's my fault basically too but we do have a great book and fortunately it's still selling came out march 12th and uh, we're in australia now italy great britain yeah, we just dropped in uh, Great Britain last weekend. Yep. Uh, and we also, that, the book went to audio, and Gianni reads the audio book. So if you want uh, some authenticity, get the audio book. It's oh, from yeah. the master himself. He's reading it. <laughs> and the good news, it's on Amazon, very, and, or, and, or any major bookstore, including Barnes & Noble. They did a great job with it, actually. They did. They did. They did a very fine job. Well, till right, next folks. week, everyone. All okay. right, guys. Okay, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. My name is Megan Horan. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit Amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night.